In between the beginning and end of life, there is creation. And in between the beginning and end of creation, there is time for the Forecast Podcast. Welcome. I'm your ever-intrepid host, Sophie O. My guest on this episode is Jeremy Quant, founder of Dot Red. And what I noticed right off the bat with Jeremy is that he was so self-assured. He's the type of person you meet and know that they know themselves completely. That being said, it was great getting to know Jeremy myself, so here was what he had to say. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, hey, Sophie. Right off the bat, I'm going to say we have something in common, sort of. We are educators in different ways. I am a substitute teacher here in Delaware, and you are the owner of Dot Red, which establishes arts programming throughout the Los Angeles area. Tell me more about that. How did that start? Yeah, so so Dot Red, as it stands today, is an online and hybrid events platform mm-hmm. for art exhibitions. So we work with artists, galleries, museums, and art fairs to expand their footprint online, uh, as mainly online, um, with some emphasis in in in-person events. And prior to really the pandemic was when we made a, a big pivot on a direction of our business model we were doing tours, art tours in Los Angeles. And that came really, I mean, long story short, it really just came from a love of, of the arts and, and really bringing, you know, how, how can I bring a, a much deeper connection between art, artist and the audience. And so that's really how, how Dot Red came to. to that's form. amazing. That sounds really amazing. And like, what is, what has been the latest, like in the Dot Red programming? What, what has been your latest event? And what was that like? Well, our latest event, it's funny enough, is actually coming up. Well, that we completed, we did a, uh, we actually did a, a panel discussion called Basquiat in Los Angeles where we interviewed uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat's Los Angeles art dealer, Fred Hoffman, who represented his work, uh, and also artist and curator Autumn Brion, and then uh, another another incredible artist and gallery, uh, Knowledge Bennett. And so we did a little bit of a co-collaboration in promoting the King Pleasure exhibition that is now showing in Los Angeles. Uh, and so we did that. We did that panel discussion during Freeze Art Fair uh, as a just a satellite event, not not in the not in the showroom, but we did it really just in tandem with like LA Art Week because there was other mm-hmm. art fairs going on. So. So that was the last. Uh, that was the last event um, that we did, and then we are scheduled to do a, an online event uh, and hybrid event with with Forecast. 
So, and that is going to be in May. Right. I. That's right. I, I didn't forget about it, but I have so much in my head that I was like, I know I'm waiting for him to say something. I just couldn't remember what, but that sounds really amazing. Both events. And it's funny you bring up Basquiat because I had just interviewed, um, a few weeks ago, Lawrence Lanoff, who uh, grew up not with Basquiat. They weren't like in the same, I believe they weren't in the same generation, or maybe they were, but he knew him from his um, early, like his youth. So that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fun getting to hear about all this sides of this amazing artist. People getting like, I, people connecting like to him and then connecting to me. That's fun. It's like six degrees of separation. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel the same way. Actually, I think I think now it's more like two degrees of separation because of technology mm-hmm. and, you know, there's it's just so much quicker to get connected to, to an individual now as, you know, before a lot of advances in, in the internet. Absolutely. Does Dot .red implement technology a lot in its events or I know you... Um, said that there was a big shift in how you dealt with programming like before the pandemic and after the pandemic, which what didn't the pandemic change, of course, but I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So, I mean, how we do our online programming is, you know, much like this <laughs> discussion that we, we have, mm-hmm. we, you know, it, during our, our in-person tours, we would have, usually the artist or the gallery present to discuss the works. And so because, you know, because of the pandemic, we didn't have access, physical proximity access uh, in person. So we moved all of those online and we decided to host these interviews, right? Get them recorded Mm -hmm. and then, uh, and then attach uh, attach them on a, a basically a because we also had to build the the website for it, but new features that would allow people and audience to listen to a conversation that the artist is is having or sharing specifically about that artwork, right? Um, and if it's not that artist, maybe it's the gallery owner or whoever is representing that exhibition. Hmm. And so I would say, you know, we're one of, we're unique in that sense where that is a part of our, um, that's a part of our model for our exhibitions. I think other websites usually just have either the artwork up or, you know, they might have one snippet interview but but that's that's a model for us to give our give our audience collectors enthusiasts really deep context around the work that can uh, inspire them you know in one format or or another to uh to take to take a next step you know in whether it's I mean, hope you know. At the end of the day, it'd be it'd be great for them to to acquire it. But you know, even just to, gets a deeper understanding of that artwork, the artist, and you know, it's a big reflection for themselves, right? Because mm. you have some really, really great, <laughs> great conversations with uh, you know artists about the work, and you just don't. You know, I I feel like a lot of people don't always get that when going to even a physical, you know, in-person gallery show, 
you know, unless you're really tapped into the art world, I don't, I think a lot of people can miss just the depth of, uh, of an art piece. And so, um, you know, these interviews really encapsulate, encapsulate that. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I, what you're doing sounds amazing. And I love that you have this, you obviously have this passion, not just for art, but for promoting the artists themselves. And uh, so I wondered, how long have you been working with Forecast? Because that's a really big part of what we do here as well. Yeah, well, you know, um, I'll say this. I've been working with Farida mm-hmm. before Forecast was Forecast. <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, and Farida would know this because, you know, Forecast originally was Sovo magazine and so you know i i saw her through you know her and her team you know saw her through the you know just the the shifts the ebbs and flows of just what it takes to create you know sustainability um in your you know in in your collective and your business and so you know we met actually even even before that before even sovo she had a another collective which she's gonna she's gonna laugh at me because i'm not i'm not i don't remember it right now it's um and i have the t-shirt oh (laughs) unraveled 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 artist i think i believe i got it right so farida you know would work with artists and musicians and so it's a little different dynamic with forecast because the dynamic is artists writers and performers not necessarily artists and musicians i think she still had performers in unravel too but they were they were more in that that mix of art and music which you know just super cool you know frida's is brilliant Mm -hmm. and you know always finds a way somehow some way and that was when that was when we met probably in 2014 14 or something like that. Um, in downtown, when I was working with the downtown LA art walk, uh, I was promoting a lot of art events in downtown and she came to us just as creative and confident as ever. Just walk into our office and just say, Hey, I'm doing an event. (laughs) This is what I want to do. How can you guys help? And yeah, we just, we couldn't, we couldn't deny, you know, Farida's energy and, and strength. <laughs> yeah. and so we're like, well, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And it was uh, th- just for context, the downtown art walk was a, a monthly event in um, off of like in the historic core. And we bring, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 30,000 people, you know, and on one day each month, and so she wanted to do, um, she wanted to have venues about, I don't know how many she had that during that time, but it was at least five venues mm. where it was a performance venue, but also, you know, somewhere where there could be displayed some kind of artwork and, you know, and we did it. I mean, we, we figured it out and it, it was, it was really cool too. It was really cool. And the, and we actually, interestingly enough, if you actually go to our YouTube channel, we actually have an interview. I don't know if Farida remembers this, but we have an interview with Farida and 
her, uh, I guess her partner at the time or business um, partner at the time, mm -hmm. a creative partner. And yeah, that was like actually one of our, probably our first, what if it was our first interviews, but either way it's, it's there. So, awesome. you know, that's, that's some serious history. Well, thank you for that. And also thank you for telling me about the LA art walk or downtown LA art walk, because I was going to ask about that. I had no idea what that was. Because again, not a Californian. Hopefully, maybe one day a Californian, but that's way off in the future. When money comes into my pocket, maybe. It will. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. I'm taking that as a good sign that you said that. So, what um, what separates the LA art scene from like maybe other art scenes that you've witnessed in other cities, even other like parts of the world? What makes it unique? Well, certainly space. Hmm is is i think unique for la as opposed to say like new york you know la is really spread out you know we have these like pocketed communities which are just you know can can almost look like a different part of a country with just with you know within like a few miles of each other because Again, because of just how it's how it's spread out, you know, there's like a Koreatown, and a, you know, Chinatown and like there's all these sort of pocketed communities. And there is usually and it, it all definitely depends on the community. Right. Because, you know, there are about maybe 10 years ago is even more affluent than I think now just because of the rise in life. Mm. <laughs> um uh, inflation and, and all that, but mm -hmm. and, and gentrification really. But, um, you know, I think space was just, a, uh, was available, you know, for artists to do big works. And, and so that is, you know, obviously we have the weather, so you could, you know, you could work for a longer periods of time. I think, I guess maybe over a course of time, right than maybe other places just because of, you know, the weather was always, always decent. And mm -hmm. so that was, I think, a big advantage or still is to some degree, you know, an advantage in being in LA is, is, you know, you have the weather, you know, and the space, it's, it's definitely cheaper than New York. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, and, and there's other communities around, you know, uh, say like Miami, you've got um, Chicago, um, its own scene. Again, there's a little bit of a weather difference there, mm -hmm. to say the least. Seattle, actually, interesting left because we're actually doing an event in Seattle in um, in July, and I actually haven't been. I've only been to Seattle once, but I hear they have actually a pretty thriving um, art scene. Nice. And uh, San Francisco. Mm. Well, San Francisco has all definitely changed since the pandemic and. You know, it's, it's, it's different, but I, you know, I actually, interestingly enough, I think because it's been decimated so much by the pan, by the pandemic, I would not be surprised if, you know, artists, it, it, it hasn't got that much cheaper, but you know, it's, it's changing. Right. And so, you know, usually artists like to come in when things either are back to a place of, you know, fewer people, mm -hmm. bigger available spaces. Right. Um, and and so, yeah, so they just have they just have a, um, more capacity to, to do big works. Right. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and then also we're close to other pretty kind of more rural areas like Joshua Tree. So people can do a lot more um, outdoor installations. And so that I think brings, uh, brings, you know, different artists. And, and so I think that's probably what I would say nice. that's most unique around um, LA versus other, other areas. I love that. Actually, how is far, how far is Los Angeles from Joshua Tree? And that's just a question just out of curiosity. Cause I don't even know. It's just a couple hours. Okay. Yeah. It's relatively close. Again, I, would love to visit it someday or maybe Farida will fly me in. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Like Farida, you know, she might fly with you. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> or, um, cause she says she's actually coming out uh, in a few week or a week, maybe to uh, Maryland. We might meet up there. So that'd be cool. But anyway, nice. I might ask you like one or two more questions and I want to maybe like, teeter a little into the concept of love the theme of this issue what does it take for you to love an art piece like the art pieces that you like are like you come back to that you think about most in your mind what do they have in common yeah it's 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 definitely a range Mm -hmm. of things but i would say well yeah there's definitely a range i mean it is the artwork itself you know it is what is in the artwork colors that are being used and then the artist behind it and so i love i'm naturally attracted to reds and purple combinations i just like i don't know i think it's just like a childhood memory of i think maybe a toy that i just that was like red and purple and i just played with it all day and a t-shirt those red and purple and it's just like I just had this fascination with reds and purples. So, you know, I'm instantly attracted to, to those color combinations. And I also love figurative work, really good figurative work. And I, I love abstract, but I would probably take more figurative work over abstract. I guess also, again, depends on the context, you know, because I as a designer, you know, by, by trade in some sense, you know, I, I do live for flat, you know, flat design, iconic designs. So yeah, you know, it really just depends. And then just like, who's also behind that work, right? You know, what's the story of that person behind that work? Um, do they, do I resonate with them? You know, and, you know, I think if I get all of those, uh, all of those within, you know, within one, I'm, you know, I'm sold. Nice. You brought up the concept of um, iconic design. And um, this has always been, I don't know if a fascination, a fascination of mine, but definitely an interest. Like, I'm not a visual person at all. So I got to wonder, like, what does it take to make a design iconic? Like, what's going to make it memorable to a variety of people, in your opinion, at least? Well, you know, association. Mm. How well does it associate to something that is emotional for you? And it's funny because I'm literally like, uh, you know, in front of my, um, in front of me, because I know we're using a podcast um, mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a video interview, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you and I'll describe it. Sure. So. Oh, wow. Oh, I've seen that. So this was a, a poster design 
by Shepard Ferry during the Women's March. Mm-hmm. So it features, you know, a, a probably most likely a Middle Eastern woman wearing a hijab, and around that hijab is the American flag. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a representation of unity among women and women having a sense of identity in the United States. And so there was, you know, obviously, uh, and of course, women's rights, just just so much, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so when I when I think of something that's iconographic, you know, it there's so many associations that pull together all at once, right? And then and then in some sense evokes an emotional response, especially if it has some relevance to your world, right? So if you just went to a march to you know to fight for you know women's equality and there was an art piece that showed up that you are using to help spread that message believe you me that message is going to sink in emotionally because it's tied to an experience that you're having uh well i just stop, stop there so you know, so it, it's it's association. It's just like it's association. All right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'll keep that in mind as someone who does not draw or anything, but I think it can be useful in all forms of art. Yeah. I mean, even in writing, you know, I mean, poetry probably, you know, has the same, you know, same kind of teeth to it. Yeah. I think in some sense. Poetry with teeth. I like the um, imagery of that. <laughs> So I am going to ask you one more question, and it's kind of a big one. I want you to define love in your own words. Like if you were writing your own dictionary, how would you define love? I could only define it if I knew what it was, and I don't. No, I'm just joking. No, I'm just joking. You that one. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, but I, I do agree to that, though. I mean, except for the part about I not knowing what it is. Mm. Um, you know, you can only define it if you know it. So how, and actually I do need you to repeat the question. How would I define love? Is this just a generic sense of love? Sure. What, what, what is love to you? So, um, love to me, it's, it's certainly a lot. I would say though, the baseline, a strong foundation, the baseline of love is values, communication, values and communication are probably, I think there's one more pillar and I'm waiting for it to come to me. Um, I, th- I, pr- I would say, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Values, communication and aesthetics oh. is, is, a, is a very strong combination of values, communication and aesthetics. That was not the pillar I was expecting, but I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and how do those three sort of play off each other? Like, how do they form love? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, I think if you take just, for example, like just the, when you first witness a person, I mean, clearly what's going to attract you to even have any type of relevant conversation is they look interesting or they look 
they look like somebody that you would be interested in talking to, right? And mm -hmm. so the aesthetics, that's, that's there, right? So now you get to that point because it brought you in. And now it is the combination of, of values and communication, right? Like, what do you value? What's important to you? You know, your past values, present, future, you know, and then at that point, once you express that, it's like, okay, now how do you actually communicate those things? How do you communicate those values? Can you communicate it properly to me for me to actually understand it? And, and I would actually, we're about to go real deep right now. Go um, ahead. I'm in for it. So when I, when I first mentioned those three pillars, mm -hmm. I also, I also mentioned the, I think maybe the fourth, which was that it is an other, there is an other mm -hmm. in the mix. And so I would actually point first to you because you actually become the reflection on what it is that you're asking for and you're creating. So I think there is a definite, a clear definition of you understanding yourself, what your values, your communication methods, and your ideal, your, your aesthetics that you stand for. Hmm. So because it's almost because it actually you behave you behave in that sense in a you behave there i guess if, if i can try and clean that up you know you yeah you create that so you know you're creating all those those things which attracts you to an individual right that mm -hmm. that brings that you know that brings that in right whether whether you know it fully or not it's not always conscious but you behave, you behave in those values and you behave in that communication. And so, so that's, yeah. So that's where I think love, love is and how it gets reflected. So could you say the fourth pillar is like maybe a sense of self-awareness in a way? Yes. I think that still comes from values. I think mm -hmm. you can value self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and so... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a value. I think it's a value system. That makes sense. And that was really beautiful and really deep. I loved that. Well, thank you. Not knowing what it is, not knowing really what love is, but you know, it was, I gave it a little good crack at it. I think it was, I think you gave it the old college try. I think you did well. <laughs> I liked well, it. Thank you. Of course. So we're about to wrap up. Do you have any final thoughts? This was really great getting to talk to you. Promote the event. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Um, Forecast Journal, we have um, Freedom is mm -hmm. coming out in May, I believe mm -hmm. May 16th. Uh, and it is going to be a really beautiful exhibition. The interviews in there were just everything in the sense of emotional intellectual creative you know just it, it, it's is something for anyone to 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 take away from um in in listening you know and appreciating the artwork 
you know, and, and what, what is all, everything that came behind that artwork, I think is, um, is something to really marvel at for the show, which I'm, I'm really proud of. And, and I'm so, so thankful for this collaboration with forecast, Frida Kaith, you know, all the artists and writers, performers, you know, in, in putting it together. So awesome. that's, yeah, that is it. And, and then you can see it on our website, dot uh, mm-hmm. red dot co and that's D O T R E D dot C O. And yeah, it should be great. And then we'll have a, just a, 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 even more events, you know, uh, online and, and hybrid events coming up in the future. All right. That's awesome. Thank you. And I will look forward to those events. I'll look at the, I will take a look at the exhibition online. Definitely. And I encourage our listeners to do so as well. And thank you, Jeremy. This was, a, this was great. Thank you, Sophie. Appreciate it. And so our time together for now is over. Our time together will come again. Now is the time for creation and exploration. The moon rises, the sun sets. I'm Sophie O, and this has been the Forecast Podcast. Thank you.